When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis, hosting as normal, and we're joined by two Reds fans this week to dissect an absolutely horrendous FA Cup defeat to Swansea. So joining us first, returning to the podcast, is Forza Garibaldi co-founder Greg Mitchell. Morning, Greg. How are you? Quite well, considering... Considering, well, well, we'll come on to that, don't worry. And then making his debut today is Reds fan Mikey Clark. Good morning, mate. How are you? Good morning, Matt. I'm good, thanks. Are you? Yes, good, good, thank you. Uh, after the weekend, as we will discuss now, um, the FA Cup is not something that was a priority, but you don't want to go out uh, with a 5-1 defeat to Swansea uh, live on BBC Wales and BT Sport, whatever channel it was. Very disappointing weekend. Um, Mikey, you're the debutant, so we'll give you first dibs. Um, what did you make of it overall? Oh, wow. Um, wasn't great, was it? Um, I think there's no point sort of beating around the bush. You've got to, got to say, say it for what it is. It was appalling. Um, I thought the lack of desire from some of our so-called fringe players was evident from the first whistle. I think it's probably fair to say that some of the refereeing decisions didn't help us along the line, but I think you've got to look at the application of some of these players that are trying to get in the starting lineup for this game of Barnsley. Where to start, really? I think, what was it, 10 changes from the team? I think it was just Worrell that was kept in from the previous game. Um, so I think that says a lot. You know, the priority is the lead. We understand that. And I wasn't too disappointed with the team lineup when I saw it. If I'm being perfectly honest, it's, it's very easy to look in hindsight and say we should have chosen different players. But this was a great opportunity for, I'd say, maybe six or seven of them to really sort of force their way into the manager's thinking. I don't think any of them did. I think if you look at um, look at the way we started the game, um, it was a lack of intensity, lack of aggression. You go 1-0 down after six minutes, <clears throat> you're looking for a response. To be honest, we, we were lucky to keep it at that. Uh, you then go 2-0 down. I'll talk about that second goal in a minute because it, it, was, it was really, really bad. Um, you are looking for a response. We got that in the second half, I must admit, for the first 10 minutes. It wasn't all bad, led by Knockhart. Uh, and the way he sort of took it upon himself to, <clears throat> to try and do something, to try and create, got the goal back in and then... We just spontaneously combust yet again. I've lost count of the amount of times that you look back at some of these some of these matches, be it cup or league, and you say, um, <clears throat> you say, who who is at fault for this? You know, the same things keep happening over and over again. We seem to have an innate ability when we fight our way back into games to just chuck it all away. There's, there's a hell of a skill in that, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think. <clears throat> I think one of the one of the things that really really frustrated me was um, when you look at the starting eleven Saturday. I think there was five players that were recruited this season. 
So this is on top of a squad that just missed out on the playoffs. Um, so you're thinking the recruitment, we can, we can obviously talk about that. You're thinking these players will be busting a gut to show you, do you know what, I'm the difference. I can come into this side, I can make a big difference. You've got to play me in league games because here's my opportunity in the cup. Yet, yeah, we didn't see any of that on Saturday. And I think three of the four subs that came on as well, again, recent recruitment. So when you talk about a second string side, you think of maybe kids that are pushing to the first team. You think of maybe one or two players that are coming back from injury, maybe a couple of senior pros that have been around the club for a few seasons. We didn't really have any of that. We had eight or nine players that have been recruited in the last six months. So what does that say about the options that Chris has got as manager? I was just really disappointed. And it's easy just to say, oh, it's just a cup. It doesn't matter. But if you're on that team bus on the way back and you're the manager and the coaching staff, you're thinking, how do I how do I trust any of these players to change a game? Do you know what? Here's an opportunity. We've, we've, been, we've been beaten by Bonzi's almost second string. Do you, do you know what I mean? It was really, and I will get more positive as this goes on, I promise you. But it's, it was, <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say it was anything that it wasn't. It was really disappointing. Um, I will just say one more thing, though. It was summed up for me, and I think we've all seen the clips of, you know, Bong running across the field and passing it into the advertising hoardings and Jenkinson falling over, you know, and they're comedy moments. But it was summed up for me in, in the space of five minutes for their second goal, and I referred to it earlier. Ball comes across from the right-hand side, and MBSO just sort of trots out and sticks to like, there's no desire. I'm not picking on him. This was just, I could give you... 20 examples of where this happened. He trots out, he sticks the leg out, shot goes past him, it goes in. Barely five minutes later, up the other end, knockout gets the ball, similar area, um, and there's, there's at least five Swansea players busting a gut, running at him with that desire to block a cross or a shot before he can even get his head up to decide whether to cut in on his left and hit it or take it outside on the right and cross it in. He swarmed all over. And that was the difference. That was within five minutes of each other. So you got one side which just exudes sort of abdication of responsibility and, and lethargy, and another side just desperate to keep the ball out the back of the net. And I think that's kind of I think I sat back and I looked at that and I went, Well, this this is probably only going to get worse than it did. Mm. Did you see anyone, Greg, who could um get back on the team bus, as Mikey says, with their heads held high? Was there any player who emerged with the slightest of credit, do you think? I thought when Knockout, you know, Knockout does show some brilliance every so often. Um, It's a lot of money to keep hold of a player like that, I suppose, in the position we're in, we need to. But yeah, he he showed a bit. Um, I always like Worrell, obviously, and he's, he's shouting, I think, lets him get away with quite a few bits. But for me, I mean, Mike has covered pretty much everything there. That was brilliant. But uh, we, can, we can hang up now. <laughs> the FA Cup, when you're going to go all the way down to Swansea and play that kind of squad, and this isn't on Chris Hewton because the squad's been there before him. If you're playing your second string, it's always for the fans wanting to see those you know, academy players and players that want to come through and the future of the club. And I think it was only Mighton in the whole squad that's that kind of player. The rest are like old school reserve match games. Like 
from back in the 90s when you used to go and watch the reserves and it was all the old pros. And I just think we've just got this such a massive squad of below average players now. The recruitment's been absolutely crazy and you can't hide from it. It's been absolutely, you know, it's balmy what's gone on recently the last couple of years. And like I say, you're going all the way to Swansea with that team putting in that performance. Like Mikey says, on that bus on the way home, how any of them could be laughing or anything. It was just an absolute farce. I know we had referees' decisions that, you know, abysmal, about as bad as our performances, but even so, we were never going to be anywhere near that fifth round with how we played, how we started and how it ended, really. Yeah, I mean, let's just talk about the the penalty and the impact it had and how much of an excuse it could be or really shouldn't be for Forrest. I mean, I take it no one thought it was a penalty, so... Uh, do you give Forrest any excuse, Greg, from that? Would they have got back into it or does it really matter? Sort that out because we were screwed over at Chelsea last year because VAR was available. This year, no VAR and we get screwed over by a penalty. It needs to be a level playing field. Like the FA Cup, either has to have it for every single game or it doesn't have it for any of the games because, you know, two seasons running now, it's it's completely changed the game. Yeah, I mean... It, it should have really been one all, um, not two one, and then they get that balmy penalty, which was never in a million years. It was a complete dive. It should have been booked in the other way. But like I say, that wasn't going to change the game. It wasn't our performance. Swansea were all over us, like Mikey said. Like they just wanted it more. Their desire. We were never getting through that round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose you lose the game. You either lose the game three one or three two, and you know you can come off and go mental at the ref. But you, if you lose the game five one, then it's it's not the ref's fault, is it, Mikey? No, absolutely not. I think um, you know everybody was worried about us embarrassing ourselves next round, or we managed to do it this round. So you know, fair play to them. But on, on a serious note, I think that's absolutely right. They had a goal disallowed as well, and I think they missed one or two open goals. And like and like I said, it wasn't necessarily their first choice team either. Um, but again, it, it was just the application and the attitude, and that's the worrying thing. You know, you, you can lose any game of football, especially with with a, a second string team, so to speak. But it's it's what you see in terms of um, just desire, just desire to, to 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 win a football match. You know, to 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 protect your area and to score in the other area. I think our tactic now just seems to be give it give it to one of the white players. You know what it reminds me of? When we were in League One and we had Chris Commons um, and it was just give it Commons. That was kind of, and before that, a few years before, it was just give it Reed. And now is it just turned into sort of give it one of the white players because our midfield, even our first choice midfield, just struggles to create anything or score a goal and it is really worrying. And kind of one of the things, and like I said, I will get more positive as this goes on. One of the things that kind of Stuck with me is just how how then do you sort of go back in to the dressing room and just say to Chris, look at what I've just done on the pitch. You know, I, I deserve a chance. I don't think any of them can. And that's the worrying thing. We all know what the team's going to be on Saturday, let's be honest. You know, mm-hmm. it, it pulls, there's maybe one or two places maximum that we can talk about, you know, what he might do and what he might do in terms of formation. You know, midfield's an area, obviously, that, that's of concern. But it was just a terrible day, terrible performance um, all round. And I think a lot of them just have to just go back in and just have a look at have a look at what they're doing. You know, I, I don't want to be too harsh, but honestly, 
you know, embarrassing some of it, to be honest. Mm. I'm not not digging Figueredo out here because I thought three of the back four had an absolute nightmare and only Warhol um, did okay and he wasn't anywhere near his best. But do we think, Greg, that would have happened with Scott McKenna in the team because he, they look a different side with McKenna in there? Do you, do you think Forrest wouldn't have lost that game 5-1 if McKenna had played at the back, Greg? And I mean, it... It always improves Worrell's game as well. It, it used to when Dawson was alongside him. And he's a he's an absolutely class defender. We haven't seen the best of him yet. He's had his injuries, but I don't he wasn't even on the bench, was he, at the weekend? So, mm. you know, hopefully he's gonna be fighting fit to get us out the mess we're in at the league as well, because the positivity from uh, the Millwall result has been wiped away from what happened at the weekend, even though you know, 10 of those players probably won't be anywhere near the starting 11. Uh, it, results like that damage you, whether you've been even on the bus or not. Hmm. I mean, let's assume that um, against Barnsley, you obviously have Sambrin goal, Christie right back, McKenna Worrell. There's a conundrum at left back, though, because Ribeiro is suspended. Do you give Bong another go because he's done OK in some games this season and he did well against Cardiff, but he was obviously poor on Saturday? Or do you give Blackett a go? I don't... Uh, but he's only played so little. I mean, who would you pick at left-back, Mikey, for a very important game against Barnsley? Yeah, it's, it's a good shout. I, th- I think he's going to go with Bong, and I think that's probably the right decision. So I've just contradicted myself there by saying none of them will play. But I think with, with Blackett coming back in and only having a very small amount of football, and I'm not sure whether he knows him. I mean, we know he knows Bong from his time at, at Brighton, so he knows what he can do. Um, so I think that's where we'll go. Um I think the worrying thing is from that side of the pitch is, I mean, for me, it's all about link-ups. So you saw last season, you had Matty Cash and Joe Lolly down the right side. And there's an argument to say Lolly's just not been the same player, partly because of Cash has gone. Cash used to create space on the right for him while he cut inside. I referred to it earlier around the point where Bong um, <clears throat> passed it into the advertising audience. But I think the series point that underpins that is around understanding and partnerships so down that left hand side again you're going to have a new two new players you know a a brand new partnership I think Um, the wingers often switch Amiobi and Knockart, Mighty and Lolly whoever, he's going to go with Bong and he's probably if I'm honest going to go with Amiobi on that side and a part of me just kind of wants him to stick with that just to try, as I said, to create those sort of partnerships and that sort of understanding. Because as, as funny as that passage of play was, it just it just emphasised the lack of cohesion um, with the team. And I understand it was a secondary team, but you see it in the league as well. So for me, to answer your question, Matt, I think I'll go with Bong. I'd go with Bong. And I think I'd stick, importantly, Amiobi on that left-hand side. Just try and build up that relationship do you agree with that, Greg? Would that be your choice down the flank as well? Bong down as well. I mean, I was excited about MBSO the other week as well, and he, he didn't do anything to... Uh, I know he's more of a centre-back, but he, he didn't really do a lot this weekend either, like Mike said earlier about giving players these chances. Um, it has to be Bong down that side. Uh, and the lolly situation, I don't know whether we're going to get onto that in more detail, but that's just crazy what's happened to him this year and whether that is a link-up issue or 
whether he needs to play in a, a different position, like further up the field, that more attacking role, support, grabbing. Um, but the problem is we just haven't got the time now to try these things out. And that's why I'd have hoped the FA Cup game could have been that situation where some of the first team players did start, you know, make it that extra almost pre-season game that we desperately need rather than chucking a squad in there and hoping something happens because mm-hmm. those players aren't in our first eleven anywhere near it. That game has done nothing to help us. I know I'm just progressing up the pitch here slowly, so it's a very rudimentary way of doing it, but I wanted to pick out a few other players. <laughs> I mean, Bashiru's been written off by a lot of people on Twitter after the game. I personally don't agree with that. He's only played twice and he's been injured for a long time. But can we expect anything from him this season because he's settling in and it's difficult for him to make an impact after so little football? I mean, where do you stand on Bashiru, Mikey? It's For me, it's too early to tell, isn't it? I think he's had, what, two halves of football for Forrest, mm. give or take, and you play half in the, in the club at Barnsley. Um, he's obviously played at a high level than this. Was he at Malmo before this? You know, I think he's played yeah. Champions League football as well. So he's clearly a player there. Um, but I think it's way too early to tell. And again, it's for me, it's about partnership. So it's no good bringing a player in for 45 minutes every three months and then people, you know, writing him off or saying he's the next Ngolo Kante or whatever. Neither's true. I think the truth of the matter is now that we have a, a situation where, where um, you know, Yatesy might be out for, I think people are saying, what, three to four weeks perhaps, um, there's potential for somebody like Basharou to come in, play four, five, six games and really sort of show what he's about. Um, it is too early to tell. I mean, I, it, it's very difficult. What you see, he, he just sort of um, moulded into that performance on Saturday. So it would be harsh of me to say, oh, he was worse or better than any of the others. He was just bad. But I think this could be an opportunity for him to first off get registered. I don't even know if he's registered, is it, with, with the, uh, the league squad? And then maybe. To, yeah. Yeah. And then maybe to force his way into that team. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's too early for him, but there is, there's clearly a player there because he's played at a higher level. So, give him, let's be honest, give him, give him a go because what's the alternative? Playing a Mbiso in there, 19 year old defender, maybe. I know he used to play there for PSG, didn't he, a couple of times? Uh, um, it's a potential, but this could be the opportunity, yeah, give him a go. For me, the whole thing, it doesn't fall down on the number 10 position, but I think it's the biggest weak link in the team, and it has been all season. Luke Freeman came in. It was a bit of a surprise, Greg, on Saturday. Um, I didn't see all the first half. I've only seen bits of it. But w- what did you make of Freeman? And a sort of similar question to Bashiru. I mean, he's been injured. Uh, he's not played much this season. When he has, he hasn't really made an impact. So where do you stand on Luke Freeman, Greg? Show us anything, did it? Like Luke Freeman has to be a, a high-quality player, but we just haven't seen it as such yet. Um, going back to to the previous question as well about the number 10, surely that's a role Joe Joe Lolly should be really fighting to get his hands on because he can do that. He could be that player. Um, We've got the new guy from Benfica. I've got Benfica friends who are saying he's absolutely fantastic. 
an attacking midfielder, but maybe now he'll have to drop back a bit and help out the eights position. Surely he's got the quality to be able to do that because when he played us last year against West Brom, he was one of the best players on the pitch. Um, it's just worrying. Like You've got these players that have been in big clubs like your Freemans and your Jenkinsons and they come to Forest, and it's like, is Forest just an easy payday? The players want to come in because they know they can get away with it. I mean, Zach Clough, I felt for him, and I felt for him for a few years, but players must look at his situation and think, you know, easy ride, come to Forest, get paid, and then go and play at another club and score at another club, funnily enough, straight away. It just always seems to be Forest that get these players high-earning that never produce for us. Yeah, I mean, that's the wide recruitment thing that we'll have a proper talk about in a bit, I suppose. Um, just on Kravinovic then, Mikey, is he the answer as a number <laughs> 10 or would you want to see him? Maybe, from what I've seen of him, could he maybe play a little bit deeper and make Forrest more attacking as a box-to-box player? Is he the answer? Is there a single silver bullet answer to all this? <clears throat> oh, I really hope so, Matt. I really do. I mean, I've seen him a few times for West Brom. Um, he looks better than what we've got in that position. Uh, I think that's probably where he'll slot into the side as a number 10. Uh, again, you know, you can talk about players we let go uh, in the summer, Tiago Silva, Colvalo, players that were comfortable on the half turn. So, especially when we're counter-attacking and, and, and sitting deep, those players that could just turn in one motion um, and thread the ball through to Graben or, or to one of the wingers. We don't really have that now. You know, we've been playing with arguably a defensive midfielder in that number 10 role. Some people say he isn't, but I'm not sure Cafu's going to get you two or three goals in the season, let's be honest. So I think Krivinovic, or, or, or if that's how you say his name, sorry, Krivinovic, I think he'll start as number 10. From what I've seen, looks decent. Um, hopefully he can be that spark that we need, because I think they'll just sit, certainly if Yates is out, they'll probably sit Sal and maybe Cafu in behind him. Um, so fingers crossed, Matt. He's certainly better than what we've got. Um, and he needs to go straight in the side for me on Saturday straight. Mm. Mm. Uh, a couple of people from the number 10 situation. Richard Lennon saying, I can't see why we don't play Graben as a number 10. Uh, Greg, you mentioned Lolly, and I, I wondered about Lolly against Barnsley. Just on Lolly then, Greg, because I think you want to talk about him a bit more. Um, I thought he was quite decent second half, but he's obviously not quite quite right. What can Forrest do to get more out of him? And is it just a fitness problem with his historical um, ankle problems? I forget the condition that he had. I, this, I think it's a confidence issue. You know, the support he had last year to be able to do what he did and his free runs that he went on. And we saw that. We saw a little bit of that at the weekend with that fantastic chance he had. But the old lolly, I think, would have had a little bit more of a, a go where he just smashed it at the keeper and it, it's a confidence issue and, you know, it was sad to see some of the, the responses on Twitter about him, but he's one of our best players. He's just, something's gone wrong this season so far and I think changing his position or, you know, I'm not, the uh, the Benfica lad, he, uh, he could help him out and Lolly is one of our best players and he has been for a couple of seasons and that player's still in there. So you've just got to keep sticking with him and it will turn around. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking forwards now, I think I put on Twitter that, you know, if Forrest win the next three games or do well in the next three games um, against 
Barnsley, Coventry and Wickham, then to me, this Swansea result's pretty much forgotten because football fans are kind of fickle. And on last, you know, on last week's podcast, Aaron Fletcher was rightly saying that things are on the up and let's be optimistic. So are you of that opinion, Mikey, that, you know, this Swansea game can be quickly forgotten if Forrest um, bounce back or, or should fans be so burned by what happened that it should stick with them for a while? No, you're right, Matt. It'll be forgotten if we can get three points at Barnsley and then we've got a couple of six-pointers, uh, Coventry and Wickham, because that's football. You know, it's... What, what did they say players when they're interviewed? You know, we move on to the next game. As infuriating as that is, it's right. So, you know, a good result on Saturday followed by, you know, a couple of good performances, picking up points. It'll be forgotten. Of course, because you'll have... Those 10 players who didn't play on Saturday back in the team, um, Kravinovic will obviously feature at some point as well. And yeah, it, it, it will be forgotten. But I think whilst that's the right thing to do, I think you can't gloss over uh, how bad that was <laughs> on Saturday. And I think the quicker we get back to league action and the quicker these 13 players come back in and hopefully show us how it's done, uh, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a question here from Tony Bagley about um, so it just says Glenn Murray your thoughts guys and Glenn Murray is someone who's been linked with Forrest is he I mean he, he does fly over on crosses but he's 37 years old is that the kind of signing Forrest should be looking to make this window Greg? One it's going to be a wages issue surely uh, how we're being able to afford all these wages and stick within the rules Um <coughs> You know, I hope if they sign him, he absolutely proves it wrong. But it's just another, you know, 37-year-old. Lyle Taylor should be the reason that we don't need someone like, you know, Murray coming in. And I was such a, a big fan of Taylor, exciting. He hasn't done it yet. He, he really speaks fantastic after a game. You know, he's a really good Welshman. And Forrest always say when they recruit, it's about how good they are off the field as much as on the field. But... He hasn't done it on the pitch yet. And rather than go, damn, we need to go and spend money on a 37-year-old player who's played in the Premier League, so he must be great for us and he can do it. We need to concentrate on the ones we've got and the ones we've invested in. You know, Taylor, how old is he? 33, 34 now. So he's no spring chicken. This is probably his last big payday. Uh, And he needs to start producing. I, I wouldn't be concentrating on a player like Murray at his age, he's a last 10 minutes player. We'll be paying a lot of wages just to get him on for the last 10, 15 minutes where we shouldn't be, need to be doing that. Mm. Um, Taylor's 30. You've, you, you, you've done it. You've added a few years. Do you think Mikey, the problems in attack or to me, I, mean, I, I my, my colleague Lee Curtis said they need another striker this weekend. I, I kind of feel like the problems behind that and the actual supply you talked about the way that they, they're set up. And it's a lot, a lot of it is like get crosses in, get, hopefully get people in the box. So are the problems behind the strikers that, they, that Chris Hewitt needs to fix longer term? Yeah, they are, Matt. And Greg is absolutely bang on. But the last thing we need is, uh, paying high wages to somebody that's at the back end of their career. We've got plenty of them. Anybody who watched Saturday saw we've got plenty of them. We don't need another one. And I think um, the problem is, and always has been this season, the midfield for me. So our defensive record, although it's poor uh, this year, 
the players have proved at that back. It's pretty much the same back four with McKenna. So in theory, it should be better. The problem is protecting it and creating. So when you take out a Thiago Silva, um, and you know, and when you when Matty Cashley, you see got an option on the right hand side, bombing forward on counter attacks. Um, it's about controlling a game, and weirdly enough, we're having more possession now with a worse midfield. <laughs> I don't know what that says. That's very strange. But yeah, the, the issue for me is midfield protecting that defence and creating chances. You know, if you look at who we've the options that Chris has got. So, you know, we've got Yatesy in there. We've got Cafu, Sambasau, Arter. Please stop me if I miss any. Basharu, Embisar. He can play there. The same, but they're all the same. You know, there's nobody there that can create six or seven chances in a month or two months. There's nobody there that's going to score you five or six goals in a season, never mind for the rest of the, the campaign. Um, and that's where the issue is. And like I said before, it, it does feel like we're a team now that, and I think Sean O'Driscoll said it on a previous episode of this and that, where he said, you know, we go on the pitch and we just hope that something's going to happen. We hope that we're going to win. And I think we don't expect to do it. So the tactic now seems to be just give it to one of the wingers. And that's because there's nothing in midfield. So getting in the lad from Croatia, <laughs> Gravinovic, I think is a very smart move. Knows the league, can play deeper, as you said, Matt. But I think we'll go in at that number 10 role. And hopefully, God willing, fingers crossed, he's the guy that can knit all that together. So you can have sound Cafu sitting or Arter and Yates or any of the other million combinations that we have. And let those three behind Graben or Taylor uh, do what they're paid to do. Mm-hmm. When you look at the rest of the season, um, I mean, I'm actually moderately optimistic. I think they'll finish, personally, finish 15th or 16th and be okay. And then we look to Chris Houghton to do what he's done at other clubs where his second season record's really good. Do you, Greg, see the makings of an actual decent first 11? Because I do, with Sambo and Worrell and McKenna. Yates, much maligned, but I'm a big fan of his. Kravinovic, um, Knockhart should be good. On paper, Graben should be good. Do you feel there's actually a good first 11 there? And the problem we're seeing is, as we've touched on, there's a lot of, uh, you know, average um, footballers who haven't done it enough, you know, bubbling underneath them to, to make a difference. I'm always a glass or full kind of guy, but what worries me is the amount of loans we have. Like we're saying, a base for a good eleven. Like knockout, we're not really going to sign him, are we? At the end of the season, you wouldn't imagine. I don't know. Um, again, Kravinovic, he's loan, isn't he? And the making of a, a really good team, I I believe, a young players. You know, we had to sell Matty Cash sixteen million was a, a fantastic amount of money at the time. Now it's probably more thirty, forty million, and it's just the way it goes. But we had the making of a good team last year. Last year, I was excited about that. It ended drastically and terribly, but I think this year we've done more damage than good and it's going to take now a lot longer to get to get to that making, uh, if that makes sense. Hmm. Mm. Do you feel, I mean, I suppose I'm editorialising here and giving my own opinion. I kind of feel like this January window is a bit of a, a, a dud and the... The watershed moment is the summer and what Chris Hewson does and what the club do. Do you think, Mikey, that, you know, do you agree with me that the, the summer's the big one and what, you know, that's going to define the next two or three years going forwards? 
Yeah, I do, Matt. And, and Greg makes a good point there. I remember a couple of seasons ago, I think it was just after we beat Derby um, 2-1 with that Osborne goal. I think we played, I think it was one of Freeman's first games, so it was maybe a month or two after. We played Brighton away. So Chris Hewitt, I think, had just taken over them. And I went to that game. I think you did, Greg, as well. In fact, I know you did. <laughs> we, um, we beat them 3-2. And I remember coming out the game and talking to some Brighton fans. And they all said to a man, this is going to be really tough. We just need to stay up because Chris Hewitt will turn it around. And lo and behold, next season, I think they went up. So Forrest, for me, just remind me of that Brighton team. Struggling, low on confidence, too many players. They had a load at the time. Um, but there is a team in there. Um, and I think it's the same for Forrest as well. So that first 11, you just sort of said there, Matt, that on paper should be top six. If that plays 80, 90% of the season, that's going to win a lot of games. Um, and I think you've got to give um, Chris the chance to see us through this season hopefully finish comfortable, stay up, although we're right in the mix at the moment. And I do think once he's had a transfer window or two, just to trim down the squad, to work on the structure and the shape of what he's got at the moment, I absolutely think we could do a Brighton, as I said, a couple of seasons ago, we could be up there. It doesn't, you know, this this season when we bought him up, 10 or 11 players, we didn't need 10 or 11 players. And I, and I firmly believe Greg was right when he said, We've got to work on making the players we've got better rather than just keep buying and buying and buying. Um, and I think we've got the right man for the job for that. So, yeah, I, I do believe as soon as we get over this little bump, which seems, seems to be going on and on and on, um, Chris is the right man to, to, to get us up there next season, definitely. What's your <laughs> dream scenario then, Greg, before us in the summer? I guess you're going to tell me you want young players to come in and build a team around them with experience. Is that what you'd like to see happen? Like you said earlier, we've got the core. We've got the core group of players that, that could do lots and lots. But the academy's overproduced for about the 15th year running and kept us alive and saved us. You know, Swan briefly made some appearances that looked exciting. Might and we have to not be tempted by, you know, big money coming in for a player like that because he has got some skills. And him in the championship, a year stronger and a year more experience would be fantastic uh, as long as we stay in the championship because that league table looks horrific with games and hands below us and stuff as well. Um, who else? Yes, yeah, Swan coming through. There's some, there's some great players in there uh, and just... What I did love was reading about how uh, the latest signing was a Chris Hewton. I think John Percy tweeted and he made it clear afterwards that it was a Chris Hewton signing. And that's what fans want to see. You know, the manager who's got buckets of experience signing his own players in the summer, he'll probably only want, if we stay in the championship, he'll probably want three or four quality signings. And that'll be it. We We won't need these... You know, I I hate seeing it when it's like we're linked with this player from Olympiacos. So it's not always a bad thing. It could be a really positive thing. But now you roll your eyes and go, oh, God, we don't need any more. Just be sensible, you know, look at where it's gone wrong in the past and make it better for us in the future. Because there's some simple things that could be changed to make things a hell of a lot better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose my one concern 
obviously we see talk of Brennan Johnson going today. Um, you wouldn't want him to, but then similarly, the owner is shelling out an absolute fortune in wages every month with no crowds coming in. And like Greg said, I don't know where, what, what the governing bodies will do with FFP because I don't see how it stands up with no fans. But I suppose, Mikey, they might have to sell one of these players in, in the summer, mightn't they, whether it's a Warrell or a Johnson. And that would be a big shame, but it might be a realistic thing, you think? Yeah, it's the food chain, isn't it? So every year we have to sell at least one player. Um, and unfortunately, or, or I guess I guess fortunately, if you, if you look at it that way, um, we are producing quality players from the academy. Um, so you can go back, not just talking Matty Cash, but you can go back as far as you know, Jermaine Jennings, players like that. You know, we've, we've always had to sell to keep our, our place in the food chain. I think, I think for me, the, the, the spine of the team next season needs to reflect what we're doing as a football club. So if the long-term plan and the long-term vision is to build a young, energetic um, team with the, the core of people that have come from core of kids, sorry, that come from um, our academy, um, intertwined with a couple of seasoned ex- ex-professionals and a couple of game changers, then that's always going to be the way it's going to be. So uh, the worry is that if you look at our squad now, other than, say, a Brandon Johnson and a, and a Joe Worrell, the guys that come through the academy, uh, maybe Scott McKenna, who's going to be worth a lot of money to sell? So we always have to sell like I said, you know, Brereton, whoever, even a Sombolonga, um, we are going to have to keep cutting our cloth accordingly. But I don't mind us doing that as long as I can see the bigger picture. So, so you know, purchasing 70 players in four years, most of which are on a downward trajectory in, in their careers, is not a sustainable strategy for, you know, financially or for success on the pitch. So I'd like to see more opportunities be given to... I mean, I would have recalled Johnson if I, if I wanted to put him out alone in the first place. But I'd like to see the core of the team built around Worrell, Johnson, Mighton, Ryan Yates, with, like I said, a couple of key players either side of them. And if we have to sell one per year or two per year, that's fine. But as long as we do that as a strategy, I think a lot of people can get on board. And I think one more thing, Matt. I saw something on Twitter the other day. I think somebody put, there's not much to like about this Forest team. And that kind of resonated with me because there kind of isn't at the moment. And I sort of pined for the times where, you know, we had a, you know, the Dawson is prime in there and a, and a you know, a Genus and, and players like that, players that have forced their way through. Because now, other than Warrell or Yates, and, and you know, the worry is that, one of them, if not both of them, will go soon. We're left with what we've got left, which is, you know, a lot of players, like I said, on a downward trajectory in their careers, over 30. Um, and it is worrying. So for me, and, and it's great that Gary Brazil has got this role where hopefully he's having more of a say, um, because I think his thought process is, is, is aligned to, to maybe ours, and I suspect the majority of Forest fans. Um, let's get some youthful energy uh, in that team and, and let's make sure that we sort of build for the future that way and if we have to sell one that's fine yeah I mean yeah. I must say Johnson and um, Mighton have a big role to play and bring back like 
if McGuane's got potential, then get him in the squad. Tyrese Fauna, I've seen a bit of uh, who's on loan at Plymouth, and he's very Samba Sow esque. So maybe another year out on loan and get him involved. Danny Preston at Grimsby's doing very well there. So there are young players there. Do you, Greg, do you think fans would have the patience to build a team around youth? Will the owner have the patience to build a team around youth in the longer term? Is that even feasible? You just say it like that. I think it's just not going to happen, is it? I, the fans, the majority of fans would have the patience. I, I absolutely believe that um, because it hasn't worked for 20-odd seasons previous. But um, like Mikey said, there has to be money coming into the club, not just from the owner's pocket. And there's only one way to do that, and that's sell your, your youth. And that's why the academy's there, you know, like it or not. It's not to get as you know, up the league, it's to get us money, which every club desperately needs. And luckily, we've got people behind the scenes at the academy that managed to do that for us and the players. Um, I'm just good that if we sell Brennan Johnson, that's another one gone. You know, Carvalho, we're never going to see the best of him. I doubt we'll ever see him in a Forest shirt again. And your Silvers and the exciting players from last year. Um, Yates obviously gets so much stick and He's not an exciting player, so he will continue to be an easy scapegoat. But he'll probably end up going somewhere for a few million. You could see him going, you know, to a Rangers or a Celtic or a Burnley, that kind of team. And he'd, he'd do well. He's a cracking player deep down. And it's just a shame. It just never seems to happen for Forrest. And one year it might, but we seem to be getting further away from that rather than pushing in the right direction at the minute. Let's um, sort of finish by looking at the makeup of the squad into next season. And as we've been touching on, I've got a list of players who are out of contract here in the summer. And it's actually shorter than I thought because I had it in my head that Jenkinson and Bong and people like that had their contracts up this summer, but they don't. That's next summer. So um, leaving or potentially leaving at the end of this season would be um, Kravinovic, Knockart, Freeman, Christie and Cafu, who are all on loan. Cafu being on loan from Olympiakos, not a permanent signing. And then out of contract are Amiobi, Ribeiro, Sao, uh, Abdoulaye Diallo, who is the goalkeeper that no one's seen, um, Michael Heffler and Michael Dawson. Mikey, are there any of those players that you would offer new contracts to? I guess the three in focus would be Amiobi, Ribeiro and Sao of the players that actually belong to Forest, probably. Yeah, I think I agree with uh, two of them, if I'm honest. So I think Amiobi, on his day, uh, can do can do something brilliant, <laughs> which we saw the other week. Uh, and I think he's really useful. I think it, it says a lot that he's, he's probably our most um, consistent winger. So an inconsistent player being the most consistent performer, that, that probably says a lot. But I would certainly keep him, um, regardless of what league we're in. Um, he's definitely worth another contract, absolutely. Because, like I said, he, he gives you something different. Uh, his goals in him, he can create. Pacey, powerful. Um, certainly in addition to the squad. I think the other one for me is, is uh, Ribeiro. I think it's no secret that, that he was treated maybe not in the, in the, in the greatest way um, but he seems to be back in favour now um, Hewton seems to like him so I guess the question for, for Yuri is do you want to stay uh, if he does 
I think he's certainly worth worth a new deal. I think I seem to remember when he, when he signed, um, we got him really cheaply or maybe even on a free because if we sold him, then 50% of the profits were good to Benfica. I may have just made that up. Um, so for me, I think there's no point releasing him. I would absolutely give him a new contract because I think he's our best left back. And certainly, you know, the Yanu experiment failed <laughs> miserably. Um, so, yes, Ribeiro, uh, Amiobi, Sandersau's an interesting one. Uh, you know, we were told he couldn't play two games in a week, yet he seems to have been consistently in there for the last sort of five or six months. So, I think you referred to it earlier, Matt, you know, his knee problem needs to be managed. I guess if we can come to some some agreement where either it's uh, you know a short term contract maybe a year um, with an option if if his knee holds out again I think is useful. Other than that, Matt, I probably wouldn't look at renewing any of them. I think the loan players, uh, Greg pointed out earlier on, you know the, the potential fee to sign Knockart is a hell of a lot of money and money we're just not going to spend um, in this current climate. Even if we were in the top six, I doubt we'd spend. You know, double figures in terms of millions of pounds on knockout. Um, I guess if Kravinovic settles in well, maybe try and extend him. But again, we don't know. Um, other than that, I think it's an opportunity just to clear a few out the decks and maybe get some more um, youthful, up-and-coming players from the lower leagues with something to prove, with that desire and, and heart that, that sadly missing on Saturday. But hopefully we're going to get next week positive, Mike. Thank you. What do you think then, Greg? You could extend Knockout's loan for another year or, or try to, but what about Sao and Ribeiro and Amiobi? Looking at the list now, and it, I'd, I'd want to keep Amiobi. He's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than having to buy a replacement if we can just extend his contract. And he has been the player that's got us a lot of the points we've needed to, you know, not be in a real dire situation. Um, I'd keep Yuri as well, if possible, and Samba. So, but then you look like Heffley, Dawson, bless him. I mean, he, I, Dawson, you'd think would have been playing in the FA Cup game. So you'd hope he'll stay around the club in a coaching role. But you know, is this the year he finally retires? Uh, the goalkeeper, you can't have an opinion on that. It's just weird that one. Um, but the low knees. Knockout, I just can't see how we can afford him. And especially when we're not that team that's in the top six, so close. You know, we've got the base of that squad. I don't see why we spend so much money on him when we need three or four players, you know, a little bit better than what what we've got. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be good to get a lot of these players off the wages, to be honest. Mm. So if we're keeping, let's say... Um... We're keeping or trying to keep Ribeiro, Sao. I think they probably should try and keep if they can keep come to the right deal and Amiobi. Then you've still got a massive squad and you're still left with you know a lot of players who are on longer term contracts. Are we in the vicious cycle still of having too many players and we're going to be looking to pay them off or somehow negotiate deals to get some of these players out on freeze and losing a lot of money? I mean, Chris Hewitt's still in the same boat in that sense, isn't he, Mikey? Yeah, he is. <clears throat> I think you've hit the nail on the head. But, but this this ain't going to be fixed in six months. Probably won't be fixed in a year. This is season after season of bizarre recruitment, stockpiling of players. The only club that kind of do this in 
England and Chelsea, didn't they have? Chelsea had about 40 or 50 loan players at one stage. Um, I'm not sure whether the, their embargo sort of put pay to that. They had to start playing a few. But other than that, Forrest must have the biggest squad anywhere in Europe, I would have thought. It's, it's absolutely insane. So you're not going to fix this in, like I said, six to 12 months. It's going to be a few go out in one transfer window. We renew a couple, Yuri and Amiobi, hopefully. Then a few more go out. Then, as you said, Matt, you know, end of next season, you've got players like um, Jenkinson and, and Gaten Bong, whose contracts expire. Don't think there's any uh, discussion to be had on, on on those two, to be honest. And over the course of time, so one year, two years, and I know Greg's going to say you don't get this time, but that's what's got to happen. And I think we've got to got to be in a situation where. Everybody is aligned to the strategy of the football club because at the moment it feels like we're doing such good work with the academy and it's, you know, self-sustaining for, for want of a better phrase. Yet our recruitment policy is scattergun at best. And those two have to be have to align. There's got to be some joined up thinking there, which uh, I don't think there is at the moment. You, Greg, sat down um, the hierarchy recently and it sounded like they said a lot of good things. Do you retain optimism, even if it's the blind faith of a football fan, do you retain optimism for the long-term future of the club, Greg? Definitely. And then they, re- they released the news last week that, you know, they're, they're actively still pursuing the, the new stand, which that is longevity. You know, you get that new stand, stand that's Premier League building. Um the massive worry is, you know, I hope they've seen the mistakes that have been made in the past two years, the glaringly obvious mistakes, and and they work on that now, you know, and it's quite refreshing that we haven't signed a load of players already, but maybe, you know, the, the pot might be dry at the minute. Um, but there's just a serious danger that we're in trouble in the league at the minute, and I, I do believe you look at that league and... If you were a neutral, you'd say, oh, even either Derby or Forest are going to go down this year. So we've really got to start fighting for a life soon. Then we build, like Mikey says, and we literally build as well. We get this new stand and that's going to show the fans that this this ownership means serious business. If they invest in something like that, it'll be exciting times for us. But... We have to get through this strange season. Mikey, you've talked about being positive as we go on. Do you retain, uh, you know, the, uh, similar optimism for the future as well? Yeah, I do. <laughs> he says, I do, to be honest, because we've got some great people at the club. You know, when you've got Gary Brazil heading up, lots, a lot of uh, activity. You've got um, a very wily, experienced manager at the helm. Um, You've got some great staff. You know, Andy Reid's just got the under-23 job permanently, which is brilliant. I think as scathing as I was at the start of this, Matt, I think you're right in saying that a couple of good results and hopefully everybody will see, uh, will be a bit more positive in their outlook. But again, it's easy to get too high after a good win or, as they say, you know, too low after, after a bad defeat like we had on Saturday. But... For me, again, it's just about the bigger picture. There are some great people, like I said, who work at the football club. We've got some really good players. You know, you look at our front four or our front five. If you stop those front four or front five in Preston, for example, um, they'd be up there. So this, so it makes you think there's something sort of fundamentally wrong, and a lot of it is confidence. So, you know, 
Greg mentioned around if you're a neutral, you look at that table and, and you say, oh, one of Forest or Derby are going to go down. Absolutely bang on, Greg. Because, you know, form in the first half of the season tells you that. You know, we're, we're in a real dogfight now. But like I said, uh, Chris has been in this before. Um, he got Brighton out of it. And then the season afterwards, they really pushed on and they went up. I'm not saying that'll happen with Forest, but I do believe that he's the right man to, to get us out of this. So, yeah, positive, man. You, you've got to be having it. How important then to three games in deciding if Forest go down when you look at who they're against, Coventry, Barnsley and Wickham, Greg? I think that, they, you know, I hadn't really looked at it until you put it up on the screen and you think, you know, you get you get seven points from those three games, which would be incredible. Uh, that makes me think we're fine. We'll push on now and we'll go on a bit of a run, but, you know... We don't. Was it Derby beat Bournemouth at the weekend? Yeah. Uh, who we play the fourth game in that, and so you don't. And we're worrying, and we're hoping on a uh, Derby administration to help us out. I think. <clears throat> yeah, Derby have won the last two, so it doesn't look. You know, it's not. It's not going to be easy to stay up, is it, Mikey? For, with, despite our optimism. No, no, it isn't. It isn't, and we're in a dogfight. Uh, and I think if the players didn't know it, then they're certainly going to know it in the next few games because those teams that we're playing um, are all in there with us. So, you know, Coventry is scrapping for the lives. Uh, oh, so we've got to Rotherham. Um, uh, yeah, Rotherham down there the other Wickham as well. They're all scrapping. So you've got to be up for the fight. But I am positive. I do think, I actually think we'll stay up, not pretty comfortably, but I don't think it's going to go down to the last sort of game like it did the other season um, against... Uh, who, uh, who was it we beat 3 0 Ipswich? Yeah. Uh, when we were look, all looking at the Blackburn score, I don't think it's going to be a, a nerve wracking one. I remember um, saying to a friend that was, stood with me in, in the ground, we cannot have this again. We cannot have a season where there's 10 minutes to go and we're looking just to see if we're going to stay up. And I don't think we will, simply because I think we've got the right manager in charge. He's been there, he's done it. We have got the basis of a good first team, maybe not options, but certainly a good first team. And I think the second half of the season, um, I think we'll show that. And I think we'll, we'll pull clear of it. You've got to, you've got to be positive. Absolutely. So thanks very much to everyone who watched along and commented on Facebook. And obviously you can listen to this on iTunes and watch it on YouTube and uh, all the podcast podcast platforms. I uh, hope that's edited out afterwards. Do give us a good review and um, feel free to comment and subscribe. Um, we shall be back later in the week. I'm interviewing, uh, well, technology providing, I'm interviewing uh, proper club legends tomorrow. So we'll put that out later in the week. And we'll be back with a normal episode next Monday as usual. So, uh, Greg and Mikey, thanks very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that, fellas. That's why you say yes. Good, thank you. Good. Thank you very much. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and we will catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you.